We are back for another edition of the NBA Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. We'll get you ready for tonight's nine-game main slate. All starts at 7 p.m. Adam, as always, great to be here on a Saturday morning with you. Of course, we were just talking right before the show. If you didn't have uh, Vooch in your lineup last night, uh, probably was not a good night as he racked up 77 points, and he gets to run it back tonight uh, against Chicago. But uh, briefly, kind of give me your thoughts on last night's slate. Yeah, I think it kind of, for the most part, when it's expected, there were a few guys that really disappointed talking about Brogdon, Sabonis, Russell Westbrook in particular. But uh, you had the OKC guys mostly do well. Um, you had Vooch, you know, who was one of the highest on guys on the slate, score a million points. So uh, it it was pretty predictable in that regard. Obviously, the Kevin Durant situation was a little bit weird and ruined some of my tournament lineups with Durant uh, not being allowed to start the game and then being allowed to play and then not being allowed to play in the second half. I still really have no idea what the hell they're doing. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's the NBA in COVID times. It's it's interesting every night. Yeah, we I know everyone was on the Thunder yesterday just because of the price points with that one. But that was one of those ones where I just had to go into Fantasy Cruncher because when I did my initial crunch, I'm like, no, I'm not having four Thunder in one lineup. So, uh, But uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Thunder here in a little bit. We'll talk about the Vooch as he once again goes up against the Bulls, of course. Uh, we are brought to you by No House Advantage. Of course, they are taking a different spin on DFS by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes, they are a peer-to-peer fantasy sports platform, which, of course, levels the playing field. and makes it easier for you to win real cash. And the best part about No House Advantage is you can sign up for free today. All you got to do is download the No House Advantage app and sign up to get $25 in free play without having to deposit a dime. We use the promo code AWESOMO. Make sure you use that promo code AWESOMO. Also, you got to check out their Super Bowl contest they have going on where it's $10,000 is going to first place in our $25,000 Super Bowl contest, which is tomorrow. But uh, let's get right into it as we kick off with the game we saw last night of the Magic and the Bulls. Uh, you know, obviously, we mentioned about Vooch uh, went off in, in that game. Marketing got injured at, at point. I think I want to say I had him in a couple of lineups. I want to say he got around 18 points. But uh, is Vooch another slam spot for you here? I mean, 8,800 on Fandle, 8,900 on DK. Yeah, I don't really see any way to get around it again. You know, he's a little bit more expensive than he was yesterday, but that's not really a concern because yesterday he was clearly one of the most mispriced guys on the slate. But on top of, of him you know, being a guy that averages between 1.3 and 1.4 DraftKings points per minute, you get this Chicago frontcourt that just has no answer for him. And you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, matchups kind of get overblown in DFS because uh, a lot of times you know, it's for for one individual defense isn't really a thing in most cases. And for two, it's normally baked into prices. But when you look at a team like Chicago, you know, you have Daniel Gafford who has no chance. Uh, you had, they tried marking him last night. He, you know, ended up getting hurt. You have Thad Young. There's nobody on this team that is going to slow down Hooch. There, there's nothing they have to throw at him outside of, you know, potentially double teaming him and, and, you know, ball denials and stuff like that. But he's a good passer that picks up assists too. So he's not really the type of guy that you're likely to have a lot of success doubling and, and leaving other guys open. You're, you're basically just going to end up hoping that Orlando misses open shots. So um, there, there's no real easy way for the Bulls to combat Gooch. And I think it once again makes him, combined with his very inexpensive salary, uh, one of the best plays on the slate. Of course, you know Wendell Carter is out. Game time decisions for Laurie Markin. Also, Otto Porter is a game time decision as well. Of course, uh, Magic, nothing really new there on the injury front with them. On the Magic, outside of Vooch, what sticks out to you? 
So Cole Anthony um, had a, a big game last night, and I think that you're, you're not going to see big games like that consistently from him, but he does benefit from Aaron Gordon being out. His usage rate in the games that he's played with Fournier without Gordon versus with Fournier and Gordon uh, is, is up a few points. His permanent production comes up. So I do think that he's a spot that you can look to again uh, in, in tournaments on DraftKings at 5,700. On FanDuel, he was 5K yesterday. He's still 5K today. So a much better value on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings, but still has um, tournament upside on DraftKings as well. It is a good matchup against a fast Chicago team that doesn't play much defense. So I, I do have some interest in Anthony. Evan Fournier is expensive, but he does have a 26 plus percent usage rate playing alongside Gooch without Aaron Gordon. So he's another guy that benefits a little bit. Um, just, you know, again, a secondary tournament option there. Gooch the priority. And then I think looking to Anthony and Fournier in tournaments makes some sense. Of course, boss man just messed with me. Let me know that ownership has been updated on the site. And uh, Vooch obviously is one of the top options there, one of the top five options on the slate. Zach Levine's right there with Vooch in, in terms of ownership, just a little underneath Vooch there. 8,600 on DK, 8,500. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, when I think of Zach Levine, I mean, look, he's by far the best player on this team. You know, he, I, th- I think if Zach Levine was a number two option on a team, he'd be in a really good place for that team. But he's He's going to be the number one. And I mean, look, he's, he's going to be the guy that's going to get a lot of usage. Yeah. And he's still relatively inexpensive on um, his line last night. was pretty interesting. The, I, I didn't watch the game, but I saw tweets from, I think one of the Orlando beat writers saying that um, Orlando was basically doubling Levine and, and trying to keep him from scoring. And so Levine had six assists in the first half. He only had two points in the first half. Um, he looking at popcorn machine, assuming their, their info is accurate. And it does, seen that based on the fact that I rostered Levine and it's kind of how it's scoring went 24 actual points in the fourth quarter um, ended up getting 45 DraftKings points despite a very slow start to the game. So it, it does kind of go back to, you know, Orlando has struggled defensively recently. They are missing Gordon. They are missing Isaac, which will weaken their team defense. Um, but, you know, they still can throw a lot at Levine to potentially slow him down. Uh, the salary, though, still sticks out just from someone who averages 35 minutes per game and, had, and averages one and a quarter fantasy points per minute. You're going to get a lot of, of usage. If they are working to keep him from shooting, he's going to get assist opportunities. So he still looks like a good option here. Yeah, when I, I, th- I want to say the Magic were up like 10, maybe 12, 13 points in the third quarter, and it became a close game, which I know as, as being a Vooch backer last night, I was like, man, keep this game close. Let's rack up those points uh, with Vooch, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. And and obviously that's something as we play kind of going throughout the, the day and, and you know, maybe do pivot off Vooch. Maybe try to go to one of the other center options. Let's move on to the next game. That'll be Toronto at Atlanta. Uh, Toronto. Uh, in this matchup, so I pull up my odds here. A five-point favor over under here is two twenty-two and a half. Uh, Siakam had a great game last night. Kyle Lowry had a great game last night. What's uh, your thoughts on the Raptors here? Yeah, so I mean, it's still you're getting the pricing a little bit more spread out on DraftKings now. Van Vliet's four hundred more than Lowry, who's three hundred more than Siakam um, on on FanDuel. They've been priced up, and that remains the case today. They're all between eighty eighty five hundred and nine K. So. Harder to get to them on FanDuel, more favorably priced on DraftKings. I think that it's kind of the same story with these three. They average similar permanent production. They average similar playing time. So typically going into a slate, I don't feel particularly strongly about one of them 
compared to the others. Um, the, what ends up kind of being the, the deciding factor for me is I think all three look good. Um, Siakam obviously covers two positions that Van Vliet and Lowry don't. So if I need a forward, he's obviously the preference. But then also ownership in spots like this just ends up playing a big role. Um, Fred Van Vliet, obviously two games ago, had the, the monster game with 11 three-pointers. He tends to just get a little bit more ownership than Lowry. And so in tournaments, a lot of times I just end up playing Lowry um, because he's slightly lower owned with a very similar range of outcomes. But it, it's just a situation where all three look good and you kind of can just pick whichever one happens to fit your lineup best, whether it's needing a relative or a slightly lower owned guy in Lowry, needing a Ford in Siakam or needing the, the top projected guy in Van Vliet because you already have contrarian pieces. It, it kind of just, um, whichever one fits the best, uh, they're, they're all good options, I think. Of course, uh, OG lists us out for the game. We look at it over at the Hawks side of the equation. Trey Young, game time decision with the calf injury. Uh, Hunter out with a knee. Game time decision for Horder. Dunn out. Bagdanovich out. Game time decision um, as well for Nguanu. Uh So as you look at uh, Atlanta here, obviously the high price point would be Trey Young, 9,500 on DK, 10-3 on FanDuel. Uh, yeah, so one, one other thing to point out from um, Toronto is that they, we, we got the Chris Boucher game last night against that small Brooklyn team. Now you get Clint Capella and the Hawks. I think this is a game where $4,100 Aaron Baines can end up looking like a good value and getting back up to like 28 minutes. Um, as far as the Atlanta side, you know, yeah, obviously waiting on uh, quite a bit of important news here. Um, Trey Young being questionable. If he's in, then he's you know obviously a, a decent option in tournaments at 9,500. If he's out, you get uh, Rajon Rondo at 4,100 who was disappointing in a tough matchup against Utah the other day, but he's still cheap. He's still someone that averages about 0.9 DraftKings points per minute. He played 28 and a half minutes in that game and lost almost four minutes to blowout. Um, in the previous game this year, he had started, he played 30 minutes. So I think that you're once again, looking at 30 minutes from Rondo if Young is out, which would make him look like a, a very good value option. Obviously if, if uh, you know, Trey is out. The ownership on Rondo will be insane, especially you look at DK, 4,100 over on uh, FanDuel. He's 4,300. Um, in, in terms of uh, without OG, once again, out of the lineup, is it you, you kind of look at potentially Norman Powell a little bit more than maybe normally would? Uh, I mean, I think he he starts and plays big minutes again. The, the problem is just that he's priced up enough to where, I mean, he, he's going to normally be behind Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam in terms of scoring. So it's really tough, I think, to pay that salary, especially on a full game slate or on a full slate. If it were a smaller slate, then just the the playing time you get from Powell starts to come into play. But with the slate being this big, I think you can just find better options. Appreciate everyone here on a Saturday morning. Watch us live right here on YouTube. Be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe uh, and notification bell if you're not subscribed here to Awesome O as uh, we have shows all day long. Of course, coming up right after us will be the NFL Strategy Show. That'll be at 11 a.m. with Matt and Kyle. Then at 2 p.m., we got the NHL Strategy Show. Then, of course, we'll have shows throughout the day. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. And when you hit that notification bell, you'll know when a show is live right here on the channel. We'll move on to Milwaukee at Cleveland. Milwaukee, a 10.5-point favorite. Over under in this one, 226.5. Let's start over on the Cleveland side of things. The Andre Drummond, the salary here, particularly on FanDuel, is very interesting. Yeah, um, we, we've seen the salary on, on Drummond drop as a result of Jared Allen joining the team. You're getting less playing time for Drummond. And it kind of just all comes back to the most important thing in DFS is pricing. Like you for, for just about any any player you can or any you know no, any starter any normal rotation player there's a price point where you would say like 
okay, I think this guy sucks, but he's a good play. Or I think this guy's great, but he's too expensive. And that's really just what it comes down to. You know, obviously the the risk in Drummond is that the addition of Jared Allen, who is much more likely to be a piece of their future and who is a good backup center, drives his playing time down. You know, you had a, a time this season when he was playing 33, 34, 35 minutes a night. Now you're not getting that. He's typically playing um, he's averaging 26 minutes per game since Allen joined the team. Some of that is skewed by blowouts. He played about 30 minutes last night. Um, but the site's pricing him down very quickly. You know, 60, uh, what, 6,900 on, on FanDuel, 7,900 on DraftKings. It alleviates a lot of that risk. If, you know, Andre Drummond's someone who's averaged one and a half DraftKings points per minute this year. So if he only, if he does only play 25, 26 minutes on average, you're getting around 38 fantasy points. Not great for his salary, but also not the end of the world. If you happen to get a 30 point or a 30 minute game at those rates, you're getting 45 fantasy points, which starts to look pretty nice at where he's priced. Um, I, I think that the price points have just dropped far enough where he's still a really, really good play just because he's more or less priced to his minutes floor. Um, one, one thing I guess to keep in mind is that they did the last time Cleveland had a back to back. He played, I think, 32 minutes in the first game, and then we got news late in the afternoon that he was questionable and eventually out in the second game. I don't know if that was back-to-back related or if it was an actual injury, but you know, definitely keep an eye on, on Drummond's status. If he were to sit, then Jared Allen clearly becomes a, a great option. Uh, Colin Sexton, 7,300 over on DraftKings, 7,000 on FanDuel, of course. So that was one of those news that we were waiting for throughout the day yesterday, and, and he did play uh, last night. No uh, no injury designation uh, that I'm seeing right now for him in terms of tonight. Um, you know, outside of, you know, a, a Sexton, who else on this Cavs team uh, sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think Sexton's the, the second guy. He's just playing massive minutes. Uh, especially, especially since Larry Nance went down. Typically, he plays you know 34 minutes anyway, but he's been playing like 38 plus minutes w- without Nance, and he does have the second highest usage rate on the team behind Drummond. He's around the fantasy point per minute guys. So, uh, you know, again, a tough matchup here with Milwaukee. Uh, not not a priority for me, but I do think that there's some upside at his price. You're you've been getting more minutes for Garland as well. Only played 29 minutes last night because of some foul trouble, but he's been priced up pretty quickly, whereas Sexton's price has stayed more or less in the same range. So I think that kind of just keeps Sexton ahead of Garland. Of course, if you want to get access to our ownership projections, which you got to be paying attention to daily, you need to sign up for an also plus weekly pass for $29.95 that gives you access to all the DFS sports we have on the site. And if you just want an NBA weekly pass, that is $16.95. You get ownership projections. You get access to our premium Slack channel where you can talk to everyone here at Osmo as you're building your lives here for tonight's slate. Now looking over Milwaukee, uh, Giannis, 11,000 on DK, 11-2 on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, kind of the same story as always with Giannis. There's a ton of blowout potential in this game. The Bucks are, are clearly better than the Cavs. He played 33.3 minutes last night in an 18-point win. He's averaging about 33 minutes per game over the last month. I think, and that's the reason that I think that's important you bring that up is the Bucks are a team that is are, are very frequently in games with relatively big spreads. And so the fact that Giannis is averaging 33 minutes over an extended period of time, it kind of, I think, tells you exactly how you should be weighing in the blowout risk. Because if this game is really close, really competitive, you can get 36 plus minutes. Um, And the Bucs have done a pretty good job of, you know, him still getting 31 to 33 minutes in less competitive games, as long as it's not completely out of hand after three. So I, I don't think the minutes are really a concern for, for Giannis. The problem I think you'll run into, and it's the reason he was very low on last night and probably will be again tonight, is that you just have a lot of 
strong value, whether it's guys at the bottom of the pricing tier or mid-range value that's opened up because um, key players are out. You also have Luka on this slate in a good matchup against uh, the Warriors. So I think that it'll be kind of hard from a roster construction standpoint to get to a lot of Giannis, but any Giannis that you get to, you should feel good about because he is you know, one of the best fantasy point per minute producers in the league and he has played more minutes this year. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing under 10% ownership right now for, for Giannis. Yeah, and it, so it's it's on the one hand, you look at that, and the, the first thought is kind of like, wow, like Jan, the, the potential or very likely, um, as likely as anyone else, you know, high scorer on the slate is under 10% owned. But you you do have to consider just the rest of the slate and, and the fact that there are a lot of guys that are in the mid-range that can give you 50-plus fantasy points, which would make 65 from Giannis not that exciting at 11K. So the ownership being where it is makes sense. But it's still, you know, clearly a good play if you can get to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, he's always going to be a good player. There's no question about. It. When you look at the supporting cast there uh, for the Bucks, you got Drew Holiday, 7,700. These are DK salaries. Chris Middleton, 7,600. Porter's 56. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 5,000. Uh, Dante, 5,000. Had a good game last night. I want to say, wow. Say like 37 points, I want to say, um, DFS points you got last night on DK. Um, so as you look at supporting cast, uh, and, and obviously a potential blowout, is there one of those undercast guys say, you know what, maybe if it's a blowout, this is a guy who could, uh, you know, be optimal? I, I think it's it's tough with all these guys if the game does blow out, just because like Middleton will lose minutes, so will Drew, so will, will Lopez. Portis would probably get a couple more, but he's priced up. So I don't think, I mean, Pat Connington, I guess, would be a guy uh, that potentially could benefit there. But with it being as big a slate it is and as much potential value as there is, I don't really want to go that route. But I do think that if you can't afford Giannis, but you do want exposure to a team with about 120 implied total, Chris Middleton has averaged about 1.2 DraftKings points per minute this year. He is at a position that's typically uh, somewhat difficult to fill at small forward, and uh, he's at a pretty good price point. So uh, Middleton, I think, is is the second guy here behind Giannis. We'll move on to the next game. That'll be the Spurs and the Rockets. Over under number of two twenty two and a half. Uh, the Spurs a one and a half point underdog in this one. I guess obviously it starts with the Rockets. No Christian Wood out with the ankle injury. John Wall game time decision. Uh, seeing a ton of ownership right now for Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, and and you should be. I mean, he's sixty three hundred on DraftKings. So they, they did elevate his price, but not as high as it, it probably needs to be. 5900 on FanDuel, so same story there. Um, we've seen what he does when he plays without Christian Wood, and the minutes shouldn't be an issue. You know, we saw him playing a ton of minutes uh, last time Wood was out. And he, while he may, you know, he, he's not the best NBA player, um, he is a very good fantasy producer. He's uh, started three games. They're sorry, four games without Wood this year. 1.55 DraftKings points per minute, 29.8 minutes per game. 25% usage rate, 25% rebounding percentage, 19% assist percentage. Um, the the assist numbers could come down a bit um, now that he's assuming Wall and Oladipo both play. But still, you're just talking about a ton of rebounds, a high usage rate for Cousins, uh, 30 minutes most likely, and a cheap price point. I don't really see a way around Cousins here. Uh, the only, I guess the only argument that I could see is that he is only center eligible. You already have Gucci we talked about who we love at center um so on FanDuel, obviously you have to decide between one of them not to mention all the other options on the slate on DraftKings, you can roster them both but that clearly means you're foregoing every other center we have joel Embiid. we have you know who, who we haven't talked about yet we have some other guys that look good so there is opportunity cost at the position and that i think will keep cousins ownership at least a little bit in check but i, I think he's clearly a top one 
Yeah, I mean, you look on the FanDuel side of things, you know, he's 5,900, where, you know, Vooch is 8,800. I mean, yes, it's a salary savings, but that's the, that's the one thing about the FanDuel roster construction. You only get one center in there. Yeah, and it makes it – FanDuel's a little bit easier in tournaments. Um, not, not that it's easier to win, but it's it's a little bit easier to, like, mathematically make your decisions on, like, where you want to take stands based on ownership. Because DraftKings, having the more flexibility in the lineup, there's a lot of situations where, like, um, it's like, oh, well, this guy's popular. I'll play this pivot instead. But the winning lineup ends up just having – like, if that pivot does really well, the winning lineup ends up having that pivot plus the guy that you faded – because there's just so many different ways to put your lineup together to make everyone fit. FanDuel, the math is a lot clearer where it's like, you can just say like, okay, well, Vooch has this percent chance of success. Cousins has this percent chance. Their ownership is here. This one's clearly the better center play. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's the spot where the boom bust tool on the site is really useful. Um, you know, it, it's useful on DraftKings as well. You kind of just have to um, look at it a little bit differently when you make your lineups, but FanDuel it becomes a lot more clear cut. On the Spurs side of the equation, DeMar Rosen, 7,200. Jonte Murray, 6,800. Kellen Johnson, 5,800. No Aldridge out with a hip injury. Uh, What's your uh, thoughts on on the Spurs in this one? Pirtle got priced up pretty quickly, so uh, he becomes less appealing, especially when you consider the opportunity cost at the position. I think the Rosen and and Murray are the two main pieces here. Um, Murray should get 30 to 32 minutes. He's averaged about 1.1 to 1.15 fantasy points per minute this year. The Rosen's averaged 1.2 DraftKings points per minute in games without LaMarcus Aldridge. His usage takes a, a, a bump or gets a bump in those games. Um, Houston has been really good defensively. Overall this season, they're top five in defensive rating. They've been the best defensive team in, in you know using defensive rating um, since the James Harden trade. So not a great matchup for San Antonio, but I do think that Murray and, and DeRozan look like good values. I do think that uh, DeRozan being small forward eligible helps them out as well. Let's move on. Next up, we have got Minnesota and OKC. Of course, OKC was a team everyone was looking at last night. Over under this one, 218 and a half, and uh, Minnesota a half point underdog in this one. Um, you know, after seeing what you saw last night, and, you know, obviously the Thunder, we're going to have to kind of pay attention all day long in terms of who's going to go in this one. Um, is your thought process changed from last night heading into this site with, with this team? No, I mean, not if not if they're in the same situation. I mean, if you have uh, Teo Maladon, who was ruled out for, for health protocols, if he's out and the same guys that were already out with injury, you know, Dort and Gilgis Alexander, we know Hill's out. Um, if you still only have eight bodies here, the, the prices didn't move enough for me to feel really any differently. Um, you would still, you know, looking at, at the game last night, you got 37 minutes from Diallo. You got... 34 minutes from Isaiah Roby. You got 35 from Baisley. You got 29 from Borford, who was extremely productive in his 29 minutes. You got 36 from Kendrick Williams. You got 30 from Justin Jackson. Like if they only have eight guys, they, they have to play most of these guys' big minutes. And you also get increased production. I mean, Diallo um, sees his production increase across the board. So does Al Horford. Baisley gets more usage. So there's it, it's the same as last night for me, where in cash games, I'd just be loading up on OKC. In tournaments, I think, uh, with, with there being, you know, essentially a full slate here, it makes more sense to, like you were saying, to play like, you know, maybe max three because there is opportunity cost to your positions and, and just getting a bunch of good point per dollar plays doesn't win you a tournament. But uh, it, it's still going to be the priority if these guys are, are out again. In terms of FanDuel, do you prefer pivoting to Al Horford over to Marcus Cousins? No, um, I, I don't there. I think it's really tough to get to him on FanDuel. It's a little bit easier on drafting since you can roster one of Cousins or Vooch still. The problem that I, I see on FanDuel, though, is that 
you're not getting a discount. Like he's more expensive than DeMarcus Cousins. But not only do you need him to beat Cousins at that price point, you also need Vooch not to bury him, which if Horford goes for 50, you know, if Horford goes for 50 fantasy points, that's not a problem. But like, let's say, let's say Horford goes for 38 and Cousins goes for like 34. Then you're happy you, you went to Horford here. But if Vooch goes for 60, you're just dead. Unless you happen to, you know, run really good on, on the rest of your lineup with the $2,000 you saved. Um, on on DraftKings, it's a little bit more palatable because you can say, okay, cool, Horford beat Cousins. I have Vooch, so I'm in a really good spot. But FanDuel, you basically need him to beat both of those guys. You also need to avoid Embiid having the monster game. Uh, so it becomes a lot more difficult for Horford on FanDuel, I think. Uh, looking over on the Minnesota side of things, we'll, we'll see about uh, Cat in this one right now. List says a game time a decision there. Um, I guess uh, if Cat does go, where where do you kind of view him? You know, coming back from COVID. Yeah, I think it would be pretty tough to trust him because he's priced up and the center position is is you know deep. Obviously, um, ten five on FanDuel, he's ninety nine hundred on DraftKings. So I think it would make it really tough to get to him, even if you're assuming he's playing like thirty minutes. Um, I personally hope he comes back and has a monster game for my top shot collection. But uh, I think from a DFS standpoint, it would be tough to get to him. It would obviously downgrade Nas Reed. It would take some usage away from D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, everyone in the starting lineup. If uh, Cat is out, how does that, you know, you mentioned about some of those others that you say, hey, if he's in, it's going to, you know, decrease them. But what if he's not in? How, how do you evaluate this team? Yeah, so then it's the same situation that we've had. You know, Nas Reed will be very difficult to play on this slate because he's a center on both DraftKings and FanDuel. So it's it's really, really tough to get there. D'Angelo Russell um played thirty or yeah, thirty-one minutes last night. He's typically been playing twenty-nine to thirty-one minutes. Uh he's got a thirty percent usage rate without cat. He's got a thirty percent assist percentage. He'd still look like a, a pretty good option. You know, definitely a spot to keep. We'll have to keep an eye out for news on him as well. He's been questionable for each of, I believe, the last three games. He's played in all of them, but now you have the back-to-back. Um, if he were out and Pounds is out, then Beasley looks a lot better. Rubio would get a step up, and Edward could get more usage as well. If Cat does play, how does that affect your your ownership in Al Horford? Um, I, I don't think I'll have a whole lot of Horford anyway. Um, I, I think it makes the matchup a little bit tougher for Horford, but overall not too much of a concern. Let's move over next to Brooklyn and Philly. Brooklyn, uh, I, I, I joked about this the other day with Alex. Like, who's the worst defense? Brooklyn, the Wizards, or the Blazers? Or the Kings. Uh, Brooklyn, though. <laughs> I mean, Brooklyn is just so bad. Like, Kyrie was talking about the other night. He's like, look, we just can't give up 120 points a game and expect to do what we want to do here. Of course, the over-under number here, 237.5 plus 2.5 here for Brooklyn. Is this just Joel Embiid's smash spot for you? Yeah, and I don't really see any way around it. You know, they – what is Brooklyn going to do here? I mean, they, they have DeAndre Jordan, which, good luck. It's not like Embiid is a guy that has to score at the rim and, and has to, you know, be he, – he's not one-dimensional. Like, he's – DeAndre Jordan's not going to – or is unlikely to slow, slow him down. Jeff Green sure as hell isn't going to do it. Um, they, they don't have an answer. You're not that they have an answer really for anything defensively, but um, they, they don't have an answer for – for Embiid, I think that the only thing that limits exposure to Embiid is that he's more expensive than Booch and Cousins, who are just two of the clear top plays on the slate. But that should keep the ownership down, which does make him interesting in terms. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I look at it. And I, I can see DeAndre Jordan getting like two early fouls, and then it's like, okay, who are you putting on Embiid? It, yeah, it's similar to the situation that we had when Philadelphia played Portland the other day, where 
not that you expected Ennis Cancer to do a whole lot to to stop Embiid from producing, but if Cancer were to get in foul trouble, then there was nothing behind him. It's the exact same situation here with, with Brooklyn. Like DeAndre Jordan probably isn't going to do anything to, to stop Embiid, but if it's not DeAndre Jordan, it's Jeff Green. Like it's it's not going to happen. It, they, they don't even have Durant. I mean, there's <laughs> they're they're just stuck. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the dribble, dribble, dribble offense between James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I mean, I remember last night, I was like, I don't know, it was like third quarter, I checked, you know, my scores, and like Kyrie, like, maybe had like 12 points or something. I'm like, all right, come on, Kyrie, you got, you got, you got to do something. KD's not in the game. Um, but in terms of Philadelphia outside of Embiid, what what uh, jumps out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that then it, it kind of just turns into secondary options. Um, ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, both reasonable uh, Seth Curry left last game with an illness. They said they were going to be cautious with that. He had COVID earlier in the year. Um, if he were out, it would open up more minutes for some combination of Milton, Korkmaz. Um, We'd have to see you know, who starts. Korkmaz started the last game. But I, I think Simmons and Harris both should be able to have success here. I mean, it's just a fast-paced Brooklyn team. It's a Brooklyn team that doesn't defend anything. Uh, they don't stand out as like top options, I don't think. But they're definitely guys where um, – they, they just fit in the lineups as sort of like a last piece in where they clearly have high ceilings, even if they're not the best average projection at their positions. Outside of Harden and Kyrie, is there anyone that you have interest in tonight with this Brooklyn team? I don't think so. Like part of me wants to say DeAndre Jordan, just thinking that maybe he plays 30 minutes. But the problem is, and you know, he's 4,300, so it's a good value. But the problem is just like, this isn't the slate where I want to make speculative center plays really. Um, yeah. I, I don't, like the idea of having too many lineups where I'm going in saying, okay, cool. All I need is Booch to have a bad game and to have a bad game cousins to have a bad game. And then also Deandre Jordan to play 10 minutes more than he has in two weeks. Like it's putting yourself in a, a pretty dicey situation, I think. So, you know, on, on the one hand, yeah, you do always need a lot of things to go right to come out ahead in top heavy tournaments, but the goal still isn't to maximize the number of things that you need to go right. So um, it, it's still, as much as I want to say Jordan could benefit here, I think it's still going to be really tough to get him into lineups. Like for our single entry players out there and, and they're hand building a lineup, you just, you start with center, right? Yeah, normally. Um, so I, I think for a couple of reasons, one, you have typically less thought. This is specifically DraftKings, obviously, but you, you typically have less, uh, multi-position flexibility with your centers and so and then you also only have the two positions you can roster them at so by starting with your centers um when, when and i i don't handle lineups anymore but when i did um and i know a lot of other people recommend the same approach um kind of building like a bottom up where you're putting in the guys that you would sort of sort of like the cheapest guys that you would feel good about um it's kind of easiest to start at the center position because there's there's fewer options and then you can kind of build out from there um you don't necessarily have to, to, if you're going that, that approach though, you can also just kind of say like, okay, these are the two guys I really want, you know, like if it's Vooch and Cousins, plug them in at center. But again, like, you know, that you can't roster them anywhere else. So it's a good starting point because you, you're not going to have to go back and say, oh, well, what happens if I move Vooch to power forward? Because it's not an option. So um, yeah, starting the center, I think is, is a really logical way to go about it. Yeah, I don't hand build too much anymore. The only, only, I mean, really, the only sport I hand build a lot is MMA, just because I, I just kind of I, I know who I want, what underdogs I want. 
But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, most of it's just me going in the cruncher, putting in my settings and, and figure out what I do want to play. Of course, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at awesome underscore com. Help us get over 30,000 followers. Also, you got to follow our NBA account at awesome NBA. Of course, if you're not following Adam, you got to follow him at ship my money DFS. Of course, uh, he's got his deep dive article that is free all year long here at awesome.com to get you ready for tonight's NBA slate. We'll move uh, next up to Golden State and Dallas. This is, I believe this is the ABC uh, primetime game. Uh, tonight, uh, obviously, you, you look at uh, Kelly Oubre had a great game uh, the other night, 7,000 on FanDuel, uh, 6,200 over on DK. Steph Curry, 9,700 on DK, 9,600 over on FanDuel, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Eric Pascal is probably, uh, you know, a lot of people just want to kind of just X him out immediately after he's burned us. Uh, he is a game time decision in this one. Yeah, so that ends up mattering because, again, this was a Golden State team that uh, was shorthanded last game. If Pascal's back, then he, he he's probably not a great DFS play, but he does give Steve Kerr the opportunity to screw with whatever Warriors you do play. Um, last game, you got 40 minutes from Juan Toscano Anderson. That would come down to Pascal's back, most likely. Um, Damian Lee played 25 minutes. That would probably come down to Pascal's back. If he's out, then you should once again get big minutes from Toscano Anderson and from Lee. Um, Draymond Green benefits from Weissman and Looney being out. He's getting more center minutes. His rebounding numbers increase as a result. He had a phenomenal game in terms of assists last game, um, which has been the one category where he's actually been a good producer all season long. So Draymond looks a little bit better than than normal. You know, Kelly Oubre, we saw what happens when he actually makes shots. Uh, that's something I've been saying for a while is that on the one hand, Kelly Oubre not being able to shoot for the first month and a half of the season is concerning. But on the other hand, he's averaged about 0.9 DraftKings points per minute despite shooting well below his season averages, which tells you that kind of the baseline and the floor for him um, from peripherals is still a productive player. And whatever games he is able to make shots, he's going to be one of the best players on the board like he was last time. So um, he's still, you know, the, the medium projection for him, a little bit lower than you would like at his salary, but still has a ton of upside. Curry, clearly the the top option here, the, the you know priority. Um, nice that he's a spend-up option at a position that is not center. Uh, you know, probably comes in a little bit behind Kyrie in terms of priority at the position, but uh, clearly, um, you know, a, a really good play. Yeah, you look on the other side with Luca, eleven one on DK, ten seven on Fanduel. Uh, as you we look at the the high salaries of tonight, where does Luca kind of fit in in all this? I think he's towards the top. Um, I, I lean towards him over over uh, Giannis if I can only choose one. Um, I think that, and again, I think it's very close. Um, I just think that the fast-paced Golden State plays at and the likelihood of this game being a little bit competitive gives a slight edge to Luca. Uh, similar price point. Porzingis is a uh, good value still as well, I think. Yeah, we're seeing uh, Luca approaching 20% ownership uh, you know, here here early on Saturday morning. Outside of Luca and, and, and Porzingis, what else sticks out to you in terms of this Dallas uh, you know, lineup? Yeah, there's some value you can look to here that they're, they're not the most exciting options on like a per minute basis, but they also should be a lot lower owned than some other guys. Um, it, it would purely be, you know, tournament type plays because they're not going to project as well um, as players from shorthanded teams like Oklahoma city, but you are getting a lot of minutes from Dorian Finney Smith. He played 27 minutes last game, but lost about five minutes to blowout. Um, he had played about 30 minutes the game before and lost time to um, 
foul trouble. It was at 34 and 37 minutes in previous games. He's still cheap. Maxi Kleba played uh, 32 minutes two games ago, played less in his last game against Golden State, but he dealt some foul trouble, um, picked up three first half fouls, picked up his fourth in the second quarter, and then ended up never coming back. He's only 3,900 on DraftKings. So he's another one where, you know, if he gets 28 to 30 minutes, you can roster him at power forward, and he's at least got a path to success. Of course, this is the Osmo NBA Strategy Show right here on Osmo.com. Be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. And if you are not subscribed to the channel, you got to hit that subscribe bell and notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. we got shows for you all day long to get you ready for the Super Bowl tomorrow, today's NHL slate, today's UFC slate, and of course, we'll have the NBA deeper dive and live before lock here later on today. So we got shows for you all day long, so make sure to subscribe to Osmo right here on YouTube. Uh, two more games to go here in the slate. Uh, we got Memphis at New Orleans. Memphis, a one-and-a-half point underdog. The over-under number in this one is 227.5. I was actually, I watched a good amount of that New Orleans game last night. Uh, they got up big, uh, but then it became a game there. Uh, at the end, the Pacers ended up coming back. One of the oddest things about us is it's the end of the game, and even the, the Pelicans, uh, color analysts was like, why is Sabonis on the bench? Why don't they have him in there? He's their best player. Uh, but uh, New Orleans goes on to hang on to this one. Uh, let, let's start on the New Orleans side here. What do you like? <laughs> Nothing. Um I mean, but like, really, it's it's just a lot of guys that look like secondary tournament options. There's talent here, without a doubt. You know, Brandon Ingram, Zion, both uh, stand out. And then you get cheaper options in Lonzo, Bledsoe, Adams. But it's just, I think they're priced pretty much where they should be. Memphis has, has been a good defensive team this year. It's not a particularly appealing matchup. You have, you know, just off the top of my head, for example, DeMar DeRozan is, is a small forward option on draft games for 1,100 less than Ingram playing without Aldridge. There's plenty of other options as well. Um, Zion, you know, averaging about 1.15 draft games points per minute, 33 to 34 minutes per game. Looks good. Doesn't look like a standout option at 8,400. Um, Lonzo's priced up a little bit. So is Bledsoe. So is Steven Adams. Uh, Will, Willie Hernan Gomez has gotten in the rotation playing around 18 minutes, but he's a center. And I really don't want to try and get a point per dollar guy at center on this slate. Cause I think it's going to bury me. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing here that I feel really good about it, It's more so they'll be low owned because they don't project that well relative to the rest of the slate. Um, so if you need a contrarian piece and Brandon Ingram or Zion fits, clearly these guys can go for 50 points and, and it's perfectly fine, but they're not guys that I'd be building around or, or prioritizing. Yeah, they're all low owned. I'm just I'm looking right. at our looking at everyone, and and they're all six percent and under. Yeah, it, it's an example of um, more so in NBA than than any other sport. And I mean, it, it's always the case, but it's more so in basketball. Ownership does typically reflect good plays, and the the reason that you talk about some low owned plays being better than others is because you you have to factor in range of outcomes and and you know sort of talent. From, from the player. And that's where guys like Ingram and Williamson stand out because the range of outcomes is wide enough that they can pretty significantly out, outperform an 83 or $8,400 salary. But the, the ownership kind of points you towards who the best plays are from like a, a mean or median uh, perspective. And there's just better plays than Ingram and Williamson in that area. Memphis is in the same exact scenario, low ownership across the board throughout the entire team. Um, you know, same exact scenario as the Pelicans here. So is there a play here on Memphis that uh, people should be looking at? I think they're in a very similar situation. Like you said, um, 
just guys where, you know, if you told me John Morant has a monster game, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Gorgie Jang has a good game for his salary. I don't really anticipate getting to him over these other centers, though. Um, Dylan Brooks shoots a lot. You know, if, if it's going to go in, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, the, the other concern I do have with Memphis is that they typically just play a deeper rotation. Um, they're, they play a lot of guys, and their starters, it's pretty unusual for them to top 30 minutes. Morant, you know, somewhat of an exception, can get to like 31, 32 if the game's competitive. But that does make me less inclined to go to them as well. Um, Morant would be the number one option for me from the, the Grizzlies. Uh, we'll move on to our final game. Then we'll get into some listener questions, start firing those up there in the YouTube chat or also in our premium Slack account as well. We'll talk about the Pistons and the Lakers. The Pistons, a 13.5-point underdog in this one, over-under number of 217.5. And in typical L.A. Laker fashion, we already know, game-time decision on LeBron and AD. We're just we're just used to that scenario at this point. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Detroit, obviously, Jeremy Grant is always going to be the guy that you look at, 7,200. Uh, Mason Plumwood was a guy that, that the price points come up a little bit now at, at 5,400. Uh, you know, DeLon Wright, 5,300 on FanDuel. What, what sticks out to you from the Pistons side? Nothing again. Um, <laughs> this seems like a slate where if you have a lead at, if, if you have a lead like going into the late games, you probably are in decent shape. Um, if I have to go to Detroit, it's typically Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. Um, Grant, you know, leads the team in minutes played. He, he averages 1.15 DraftKings points per minute, has about a 26.5% usage rate. All that's good. The Lakers are a great defensive team. They are clearly better than the Pistons. It's going to be tough sledding for the Pistons in general and most likely for Grant. Um, Plumley, you know, again, he's a point per minute guy, but you're typically getting 26 to 28 minutes. I'm not really looking for good point per dollar plays at center. I need guys that can get me 40, 50, 60 fantasy points if I'm going to forego uh, Cousins, Embiid, Booch, Horford. Um, I, I don't think, you know, oh, he's 5,700 and scored 32 points is very likely to get it done on this particular slate. So uh, that, that, you know, knocks him back. Um, Wayne Ellington missed yesterday's game. City Bay got the start. He played, not sure off the top of my head, I'm pulling it up now. Um, Bay played 26 minutes yesterday. Josh Jackson played 25 off the bench. Bay's 3,300 on DraftKings. Uh, if Ellington were to be out and you want 18 points for $3,300, uh, Bay is probably the guy to do it. Josh Jackson's priced up, so I'm not really interested there. Derrick Rose sat yesterday for rest. Um, they said that he was, earlier in the day yesterday, they said that he was over his illness and perfectly fine, and then he didn't play. So um, I assume he plays tonight, and that takes minutes away from going right. Who really knows? Um, it, that team's just a mess. Yeah, no, it is. Of course, if you ever miss any of our shows, they are a part of the Osmo Podcast Network. Just go to Osmo.com slash podcast to get the link to the favorite podcast that you're looking for. And leave a five-star review on any of our podcast feeds for a chance to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Good luck. Uh, the Osmo Podcast Network is how I check out a lot of our shows when I'm not able to watch them live right here on YouTube. Uh, looking at the Lakers side of the equation, of course, you know, I, I look at this matchup and I do wonder – does Frank Vogel rest one of the two big stars in this one? You definitely could see it. I mean, they, they really haven't done it this year uh, on back-to-backs. Like, I know Davis missed a couple of back-to-backs, but Vogel made it pretty clear that it was for actual injuries. I don't you know, taking that as word, but um, I, I'm assuming they're in for now. I think they're both listed as probable. Yeah, they're both game Yeah, both listed as probable. Uh, the Lakers have gone from always making them questionable to always making them probable, which is you know, super useful. But uh, yeah, I'm assuming they're both in until we hear otherwise. 10-3 uh, and 9-6, both decent prices. 
neither one has to be played at center, which is nice too. Um, it, it is a good matchup against Detroit. The only real concern and you know, blowouts are something that typically are, are fairly random. Um, they're, they're hard to, they're hard to predict, especially in terms of, you know, will the game be over after three quarters or will it end up being a blowout because of the last four minutes of the game, which makes a huge difference for DFS. Um, the reason I bring it up for the Lakers though, outside of the obvious fact that it's like a 14 point spread and they're way better than Detroit is that the Lakers have been looking for ways basically in game to take minutes away from James and Davis. That's why their season averages in, in minutes are so low um, in competitive games. They're still playing 35 to 37 minutes. It's just that Frank Will has done a very good job of saying, okay, we're up 20 after three. I'm going to try not to put them back in. And then, you know, typically he doesn't have to. So uh, th- there is some blowout risk on those guys, obviously. If it is a uh, blowout for the Lakers, and when you look at those value plays on the Lakers, is, is there is there one that sticks out to you think that could get a little bit more of a run than we typically see out of that, that player? Horton Tucker would be, I think, the most interesting because, you know, norm- like normally you're not looking to play someone just on the grounds that they're going to benefit from a blowout. But we've seen three straight games now where Taylor Horton Tucker has played ahead of Wesley Matthews and Marquise Morris in the rotation. Um, last game, he ended up playing 22.4 minutes against Denver. He picked up about six minutes of garbage time, so he was going to play about 16 minutes. He is a productive player on a per-minute basis. He's only $3,700 on DraftKings. If he somehow, whether it's blowout, foul trouble, fighting really well, like whatever the, the reason, the case may be, if he somehow finds his way into 22 to 24 minutes, he's probably a good value at 3700 Let's get into uh, some questions here before we get out of here. Of course, coming up next is the NFL Strategy Show. A uh, question got asked a little earlier in the chat from Theodore. Any way to get Embiid and Vooch in the same lineup? Yeah, it, I don't think it'll be that hard. I mean, you're they're, they're not that expensive. You're going to have a lot of value from OKC. You're going to have probably some value from Golden State. Um, I don't think it'll be that difficult to get through. Uh, you know, someone uh, will mention we did talk about Rajon Rondo a little bit earlier, but that's just a, that's a question of if Trey Young doesn't play, then Rajon Rondo is going to be a very popular player tonight. Yeah, no real, no, no real question about it. Um, you know, obviously he was disappointing the other night. Uh, still did okay for his salary, but um, just wasn't a good game. But it was also a brutal matchup against Utah. He the, the big takeaway there is that he still played almost 29 minutes, and they lost three or four minutes to blowout after playing 30 minutes in his previous start, there's no real reason based on the information that we have that if Young is out, you're not getting around 30 minutes from Rajon Rondo, who is a productive fantasy player on, on a um, per minute, on a per minute basis. Yeah. I mean, just looking at our ownership projections, obviously it's very early in the day. A lot of things can happen. Obviously uh, we're seeing high ownership, uh, you know, from the Thunder players, Isaiah Roby, definitely one of them at 3,700 on DraftKings. You look at those, uh, Vooch is, is right now the, the player we're seeing the most ownership. Cause I mean, look, everyone's going to look at what happened last night with Vooch and we all know the history of, you know, target centers against the Bulls this year. Yeah. And he's just very clearly underpriced. I'm also back to, to, touch on that question about Vooch and Embiid. If you put them in your DraftKings lineup, you still have $5,100 per position. There's no real shortage of, you know, $3,500 to $4,500 guys. You can easily make a good lineup around those two. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely doable. Uh, you know, looking at some other ownership in terms of uh, other players, I mean, we haven't mentioned uh, Patrick Williams for the Bulls at $4,400. We're seeing some good ownership on. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it makes sense. Um, Porter, assuming Porter's not going to play, Markinen could be out as well. You've seen increased playing time for Patrick Williams uh, without Porter. 
He's about a 0.71, 0.72 fantasy point per minute guy this year. He played, I believe, 34 minutes last night. You're probably getting north of 30 if either of those guys are out. So he's another value that, you know, it does make sense. Uh, he, he's not my favorite guy to go to, but, you know, I do think the price point is reasonable. Um, also, I guess should mention, because I don't think I have before, Embiid is questionable. I mentioned Curry was questionable. Embiid also questionable. If he sits, then you get the mess of Tony Bradley and Dwight Howard at center. Um, normally, they end up being two of the most popular guys when Embiid sits. I would be, even though the prices are, are really good on them, Bradley 3,100, Howard 3,900, I would be a little bit hesitant on this particular slate just because we already have underpriced centers who have legitimate monster upside. So they would end up being good values from a, a um, point per dollar standpoint, but I think the opportunity cost is a little bit higher than normal. Looking at some of the uh, projections that are 10%, maybe some guys that I think we really didn't touch much on, uh, John Wall is 7,500. Yeah, um, so Oladipo will be back, which does take usage away from John Wall, or yeah, usage and assist numbers to some extent, um, away from Wall. But you should still get a productive Wall. He played 27.9 minutes against Memphis, lost his final stint to blowout. It's still tough to, we, we don't really have any reason to look and say that we can expect Wall to get the like 34, 36 minutes that he was getting earlier in the year. But I do think that you can get like 30 to 32 if this game's competitive. San Antonio has been a pretty decent team defensively. Um, Wall, I think, is kind of just in that like John Morant category for me, where he's a good tournament play because he is just a really good player that produces at a high rate. He's not like the best option, I don't think, at his position. Uh, missed this question from Anthony. We kind of touched on Solero, but we'll briefly mention it here. Uh, it says, uh, do you like Cousins or Horford more today at center? I think it's pretty, you know, I think we kind of touched on this a little earlier about it. It's more Cousins, and obviously you pay a little bit less and the run that he's going to get here. Yeah, I, I lean towards Cousins um, just because he's been the better fantasy producer. I mean, obviously Horford, monster game last night, he gets a lot of opportunities, or he'll get more, he'll get increased opportunities without um you know, Gildas Alexander and, and everyone, but um, Cousins, 1.55 DraftKings points per minute in his four games as a starter, 30 minutes per game. So you're looking at similar playing time. You're looking at basically a known commodity of what you're getting from Cousins, whereas Horford was great last night, no question about it, still played 29 minutes. Um, he's, he's good, but you kind of just, I feel a little bit more confident in the production we can expect from Cousins. Of course, uh, coming up next is the NFL Strategy Show, of course, and then later today, uh, NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock, plus we got the NHL Strategy Show, MMA Strategy Show, so plenty of shows to take in today here at awesomeo.com. Of course, uh, we'll have uh, coverage all day tomorrow for you for the Super Bowl, so keep it locked here to awesomeo.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Awesomeo NBA Strategy Show. <laughs>